Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Happy to Meet Cute. I am Fallon Ballard here with my astounding co-host, Courtney Kay. It's still raining. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I've got. (laughs) It is. Courtney's got a little sunshine happening over, though, in her neck of the woods. Yeah, so. we had sunshine and then we had, like, gusts of wind. I don't even know what's <laughs> all over the place. Uh, oh, goodness. Yay, California. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, well, what is new with you, my friend? Oh, wait, I no, I didn't give you an adjective. Okay. Oh, okay. I saw this on my desk, and I'm going to try this this time and see what we get. My sister-in-law gave me... A badass button that you push, and I want to see what it says for Fallon. Do what you love. Oh, okay. But yeah, I but like I that. wanted to say something else. Hold on. You create your reality. No. Feed fear a suck it sandwich. <laughs> no, hold on. You are a badass. That's it. That's I the one that. I wanted. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I need that in my life. That's amazing. She's so sweet. She got it from my writing desk. (laughs) That is awesome. I would just be sitting there the whole time, just like, yeah, please. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Affirm me. (laughs) Affirm me button. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. You are a badass, Fallon. I try my best. Some days more badass than others, but do what you can. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I liked that feed fear a fuck it sandwich. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to remember that one. I like that one. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) I think it says suck it, but I like fuck it better. Oh, I like fuck it better. Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) Oh my goodness. All right. What have you been up to lately? (laughs) Uh, Well, I was teaching my cat how to push that button. (laughs) But she wasn't getting it. She just tried to chew it instead. But Amazing. (laughs) That's one thing I was doing. Another thing I've been up to is I have been absolutely joyfully obsessed with this show called Ghosts on um, Amazon Prime and it stars Ukarsh and Budkar and Rose McIver. And Rose McIver, uh, you might know her from um, A Christmas Prince on Netflix. Oh, yeah, it's like a trio of three Christmas Prince movies that she's yes. in. She's adorable, amazing. And Ukarsh is freaking hilarious. Wow, hilarious. And as a pair, <laughs> they are incredible. Um, and okay. So the show ghosts is about, they are a couple, a married couple, and they inherit, um, like her ancestors old house and they move there from the city and they want to turn it into a bed and breakfast. So this house is haunted by a group of ghosts from like many different time periods. And it's, it's, it's a comedy. So they're all super funny, this band of characters. And, um, what happens is like series of events and she, uh, has this like near death experience and, um, heals and wakes up and she can now see the ghosts because of her, you know, nearing the afterlife. (laughs) She walked the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> they come back to the house and she can see them. And um, it's funny because her spouse can't. So like she, like she ends up like interpreting everything. And oh my God, it's just so like filled with hilarious shenanigans. And um, it it's like actually a really cute, like inclusive and diverse uh, take as well, which is cool. And um I just love it. Like I'm obsessed with it. I have binged like the full first season going on the second now. It's just one of those binge worthy, like feel good, hilarious escapist shows. I I love it. And the concept is so fun. 
That's so cute. I'm enjoying it. I have it. seen, I haven't watched any of it, but I have seen some of their like promo stuff with all the ghosts and their like different, you yeah. know, time period garb and they just look so cute. Yes. Yes. And they all have like such different personalities and it goes into like their backstories and it's like, and then they bring in like new ghosts because she can see ghosts wherever she goes. So oh, wow. it's like, gets really interesting and, uh, yeah i mean they constantly and just the humor is like the one-liners and the writing is so fantastic oh it's like the dialogue is incredible it's so 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 good yeah and michael uh has been watching it with me and he's equally i just look over and he's like cracking up i love it (laughs) yay so it's always good to find always good to find like a good comedy i feel like those are way harder to find than dramas like i feel like there's like a million dramas and you can always find one to watch but like to find a comedy that like actually makes you laugh is like unique and it's also like a really cute rom-com because their relationship is so adorable like there was this one episode where um they got their first like bnb guests and no spoilers but um the guests are like really hard to please and they keep saying things uh like about her like behind her back that they don't like and um the husband comes back and he's like listen like defending her and he's like she has a great ass and da 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 like it's really fun <laughs> like i'm telling you like these are the lines that are so funny and uh it's just the best it's really cute that sounds awesome i love it okay and you have adding it to my long list you will love it um you have also been enjoying some feel good yeah um so i am a huge ted lasso fan and i have been waiting for this season but also like the rumors are that this is going to be the final season and it's only the third season and Mm -hmm. i'm sorry it's just not enough so i'm like kind of in a little bit of denial that this is gonna be the last season i'm not ready for it to end um but i So as we're recording this, only one episode is out so far. Um, Actually, I think the next one comes out tonight. Um, And I just, something happened in the first episode that made me very sad. And I won't spoil it, but they better fix it. Because if not, I'm going to be really upset. Um, But I was just like, Ted Lasso is just like my comfort show. And I was thinking about this the other day. And I was like, you know, it's like your ultimate like comfort watch when it's what you watch on planes. Like, I am not the kind of person that, like, can watch, like, a new movie that I've never seen before on a plane. Like, I just can't do that. So I always end up watching, like, Ted Lasso. Um, On my flight home from London last fall, I watched, like, 10 episodes of Downton Abbey. (laughs) Like, I just, (laughs) these are the shows that I'm like, what I need to just feel, like, comfort and safe, those are, like, my go-tos. And I'm so happy that it's back. Just brings me joy i love them so much they're all just so cute i just want to eat them up (laughs) that's what i hear from everybody who watches the show and the only reason i haven't yet is because i don't have apple tv um but i'm gonna have to get it maybe once this season is over like even just the trial and like binge it yeah (laughs) yeah just do the subscription like the oh i just want to try it for a month and then you know i feel like i could do it in a month yeah oh yeah for sure if i really put my mind to it because they're not i mean they're like each episode is like 30 to 40 minutes so they're not super long um and it'll only end up being like 30 something episodes so that Mm. sounds like a lot but i'm like i could take that down in like a week (laughs) no problem (laughs) such is my life (laughs) the streaming services are killing me like schitt's creek was my comfort watch i'd put it on all the time yes. and it was on netflix but it, now it's on hulu and i don't have hulu i'm like <laughs> i know it's too much now i have choices to make yeah i only have hulu because um it came with disney plus like we did the bundle thingy because yeah. of course you have to have disney plus gotta have them all i know i know it's, get, <laughs> it's getting out it already is out of control but <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, the other day, I seriously was considering, I'm like, do I need to get the Peacock app? Because 
as you all know, I've been obsessed with all the Vanderpump stuff that's been happening lately. And I'm like, do I want to go back and like rewatch from the beginning? Ooh. Like go back and do like a Vanderpump rewatch. But of course that's only on Peacock. And then we have a new season of the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip coming out, which what is that? <laughs> So good. So it's when housewives from different cities all go on like a week long vacation together. Uh It's fucking amazing. And eventually they'll put it on Bravo, but they wait like six months. Like they air it on Peacock and then like six months later they put it on Bravo. And I'm like, I don't know that I want to wait that long because everybody's going to be talking about it and then it's going to be all spoiled. So I'm like, God damn it, am I going to have to buy another stupid streaming (laughs) service? I mean, if you need to justify it, it could be for the podcast, you know. That's true. (laughs) Um, I will say it's probably too late by the time anybody is listening to this, but I have been doing my taxes, which, boo. But um, I have been, like, harassing the poor TurboTax people. Like, can I write this off? Can I write this off? Can I write this off? And one of them sent me, like, an article of, like, things that writers can write off. And, like, you can write off all of your streaming services because it's all technically research because you're watching stories and getting inspiration. And also, like, if you're a writer that is... um, like if you have like a film agent and your book could possibly be options, like these are all things that you need to know about. So write off all of your streaming services. If you are a writer, get that money. <laughs> oh my God. I'm like slack job right now. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, and it actually, that's not a stretch because I'm telling you after I finish a book writing, I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. immediately what can I watch to like just consume, consume, like feed the creativity. And so many things have triggered like, or sparked an idea or like, Oh, what if this, what if that? And it all comes from a lot, mostly for me is from watching shows. Yeah. Um, I like almost all of mine, like sources of inspiration. Like I talked about with just my type, how I was watching the final movie and the to all the boys I yes. love before series. That's when I got that idea. Yeah, that's um, I got the lease on love inspiration, partially from sex in the city. That was a thing. Book three was inspired by me binging hundreds of Hallmark holiday movies. Yeah. So oh, shit. these are all things. I say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's how my whole so. career started. <laughs> It's legit. It's legit. So it's true. Get that money. And if you didn't do it for this year's taxes, now you know for 2023, make sure you're keeping track of that because legit write off. It was on the internet. This is now (laughs) TurboTax that I could (laughs) advice podcast. But no, I really feel like I feel like disclaimer, I'm not a CPA. So, you know, (laughs) don't put me (laughs) TurboTax said it was okay. That doesn't mean I I take no responsibility for your taxes. (laughs) Don't come at us if you're audited. Yeah, not my fault. Not my fault Uh, at all. That stuff is empowering to know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Doing taxes is like one of the hardest parts about being a writer. And everybody always tells you, I'm sorry, I don't know how we got on this tangent, but we can go with it for a minute. People deal with, yeah. (laughs) Um, And they always tell you when you get your first book deal, like get an accountant, get an accountant Mm -hmm. because you will want one. And that is all well and good and advice I should probably take. However, for me, I, my mom um, used to work for a CPA. And so I've been doing my own taxes for like my whole life. And um, I like the hardest part for me is collecting all of your expenses and keeping all of that information organized. You have to do that, whether you have an accountant or not, like you have to hand your accountant all of your expenses and all of those things. And I'm like, well, I already did all that hard work. Putting it into the little thing is the easy part. Um, and because of my life, I have, (laughs) so I have my writing. I also own my own business as a wedding planner. 
and my husband is a musician. So we have three basically like self-employed careers. And so our taxes <laughs> are a nightmare, which means that most accountants charge more than I think it is worth mm -hmm. for them to do our taxes. Um, so it is possible to do it on your own, but obviously be careful with that and do your research. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. PSA. <laughs> no, that's helpful. That's helpful to know. I am terrible at math and rely on my spouse a lot. Um, yeah. Which I tend to feel like really guilty about. Um, but it's just how my brain works, you know? Yeah. And he very much thinks that way, like very uh, scientific and systematic and incredible with numbers. Yeah. So, yeah. As long as you have one person in your partnership who can do your taxes, you're, you're okay. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> I try to support in other ways. Um, and keeping better track of all my receipts this year is going to be one of those ways because I did a terrible job last year. <laughs> It's hard. That's really hard. It's hard to do. Um, I always, I'm very bad at keeping track through the year. So I just basically go back at the end of the year and I'm like, I look through all of my Amazon purchases. I look through okay. all of my target purchases. I look through, you know, all my bank statements, my credit card statements, everything. And, and I, I usually do it that way, which is probably not the best way to do it, Ooh. but that's a long day. <laughs> They are a work in progress. Yeah, right. But my husband is the same as you are, where he like just like hands me things and is like, I don't know what to do with this. And I'm like, it's all right, I got you. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> don't worry, I'll do the math. <laughs> you just just hand me the information and walk away. Nice, 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 nice. Good team, good team. Yes. Gotta have gotta have just one person and you're good to go. My cat throughout this whole conversation has been sitting on my desk, facing me, glaring at me. <laughs> I just need you to know that right now. Your cat hates taxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Same cat. Same. <laughs> oh, That's hilarious. Okay. Well, on a much more fun subject <laughs> than taxes, Although we do get into some spreadsheets in this episode and I know you're going to hear that. Like, yeah, yeah. And be like spreadsheets, but just buckle up. Just <laughs> this is some good spreadsheet talk. That, that conversation did not go where I thought it was going to go at all. And it was amazing. So stay tuned for that. Um, but we are chatting with the absolutely fabulous Denise Williams today, who is just like, a gem of a human being in addition to being an amazing writer um she is fabulous and we talk about all kinds of fun stuff right yeah yeah oh my gosh she's <laughs> absolutely incredible um yeah and the spreadsheets her book that just released right let me yes. see love, love and other, other flight, flight delays. days flight yeah. delays yeah we talked about um how prolific she is in writing we talked yes. about moving past some writer's block um yeah. and just like joy of romance books yeah yeah denise teaches an amazing course um at the college where she works that she tells us all about and i'm very jealous because i want to sign up for it i know so. oh y'all are gonna love this one all right, so we will be right back with Denise Williams. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Happy to Meet Cute. So excited to introduce our guest today. And I know they say that every week, and I do mean it every week, but like this one is like a really, really, really special guest. Um, I just love her to pieces. She is one of the most supportive, I think, members of the romance community. And uh, we are so excited to have her with you. So let me, with you, with us, with, with all of us, <laughs> yes. and with you. <laughs> it's very early in the morning today. I have not had my coffee yet. So let's just all be prepared going in. <laughs> but let's hear about her. Denise Williams wrote her first book in the second grade, I Hate You, and its sequel, I Still Hate You, I Can't. <laughs> 
uh, featured a tough, funny heroine, a quirky hero, witty banter, and a dragon. I mean, what more do you need? Minus the dragons, these are still the books she likes to write. After penning those early works, she finished second grade and eventually earned a PhD. Those two happen just one right after the other. Uh, after growing up a military brat around the world and across the country, Denise now lives in Iowa with her husband, son, and two ornery shih tzus who think they own the house. How to Fail at Flirting was her debut novel, and she can usually be found reading, writing, or thinking about love stories. Denise, welcome to the podcast. So happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. You're just the best. And <laughs> As are y'all. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I've been texting Fallon this week, like, I'm so excited to chat with Denise. <laughs> so we're just like over the moon to have you here. Well, yes. thank you. I'm excited. Okay. So you have like a million and one things going on as usual. Um, <laughs> I I think we did an event together last year and you were like released, you released like four books in one year, which just... <sighs> How? I love you for it. I love that for me. It yeah. makes me feel I'm gonna very say I lazy. I don't love it for me. That was too many books <laughs> in one year. That was too many releases. <laughs> so this year's just three. <laughs> We're just keeping it simple this year. Yeah. Um, okay. But so first and foremost, can you tell us about love and other flight delays? Because that's what you've got coming up next. Yeah, so Love and Other Flight Delays comes out on March 14th, so in a few days, if you're me right now, or it just happened, if you're listening. It's out in the world already. Yes, it's out in the world as this is airing. (laughs) Um, And Love and Other Flight Delays is a story of three interconnected novellas that were released audio and ebook um, first last year, and they all take place in the airport which I have always thought the airport is a really romantic kind of magical place, Um, less so during flight delays. But, you know, this idea of all these stories coalescing in one place and everybody kind of in the middle of their own story and as their own main character, like being in the same place and having all these opportunities for meet cutes, I've always just thought is is lovely. I've also always thought I was going to run into an ex-boyfriend in the airport, like one specific ex. And I have no desire to rekindle with him. I am married, but I still always think I'm going to run into him and maybe someday it'll happen. Um, So anyway, all of the stories take place in and around the airport. I've kind of modeled it after the Atlanta airport. And the first one is between an airport dog groomer, which isn't really a thing, but I thought should be a thing. And she is kind of clocking this frequent flyer as her Diet Coke break, if you remember those old commercials from the 90s. And he ends up being a romance author uh, in his kind of... uh, side hustle. So they end up fake dating in the airport. She is his muse. And of course they fall in love. Um, That one is actually based on a Taylor Swift song, which I can get into later if you're curious. Um, And then the second one is these two chemistry professors who have a serendipitous magical night in an airport during an ice storm. And they share this beautiful kiss and have this magic moment and then part ways only to learn that they are actually academic rivals. They've been trying to destroy each other from afar for years and are now tasked with uh, going on a five-city, five-university tour together. So they have to travel together. And of course, all enough. And that's a grumpy sunshine story. And then the last one is The Sweetest Connection, which is about two best friends who both work in the airport. He's in customer service. She works in a candy shop. And they have five days to solve a mystery of a missing love letter um, before one of them leaves the country and, of course, fall in love along the way. Uh, So all of them kind of take place in the same universe and their stories sort of interconnect. But it was so fun to, like, play with new tropes and um, this new setting and kind of do some new world building um, outside of my novels. And so, yeah, I'm really excited for those to come out on uh, the 14th and to be out in the world for you all to read. Oh my God. Well, and it's so genius too, because the concept of an airport, it it like automatically builds in this ticking clock and like adds that those stakes to the novella and it's, oh, it looks so good. (laughs) (laughs) 
the audio the audiobooks are already out um and the narrators are so good like I don't usually reread my books but I can listen to them same, same. and now I just every time I think about it I hear those six narrators because they did such an amazing job like capturing the the voices and kind of that ticking clock and the airport announcements and everything else oh cool so cute I love it um, okay, so can you tell us a little bit about the process of, because I know Courtney and I both were like, oh, it's so fascinating. Like, so you release them in ebook and audio, and you release them like separately. Yeah, like each one had a couple months in between. Yeah, they it came out um, once a month. So the first one was, um, I think they were April, May, June. And then six weeks after the ebook or the audiobook came out, the ebook came out. So basically last summer I had like a book release every three weeks. Which <laughs> my husband was like, Do I have to get you flowers every time? And I was like, I shouldn't have to tell you yes. Um yes, but I did make sure to have cake every time just because why not? But um <laughs> yeah, so they each came out um every few weeks an ebook or an audiobook came out through the summer and then yeah the print book is coming out now wow, wow. i'm exhausted just thinking about that <laughs> <laughs> um writing them was interesting the whole process was really kind of fast um so um i was approached uh i don't know if i'm supposed to share this i'm going to though um i was approached by um audible to do something and they wanted like small town and a pet and I was like I, I don't write small towns I've never lived in a small town <laughs> um and so I was thinking about the airport um and then we we talked to to my publisher about it to Berkeley and they're like hmm how would you feel about writing three of them and I was like I'm listening um and then the contract kind of came into being but they would have had to be written pretty fast um so that happened and I had to finish do you take this man which was my next novel so I think I finished that like June 29th and then left on a staycation on July 1 to fly to as many airports as I could so that I could write the first book while I was in the airport um, and take notes and like, you know, just reacclimate myself with the airport because this was, you know, 2021 and I hadn't been flying really at all. Um, so I did kind of a four or five day trip by myself. I wrote the first novella while I was doing that trip and started the second one. Um, and then those, yeah, were all turned around pretty fast. So I wrote those all probably in about five months. Wow. Um, across the three of them. And that was kind of in between releasing the, the novel. So that was all really fast, but it was fun. And that trip was amazing. Like everything was cheap. I flew first class. There was nobody at the hotel. It was, it was kind of a magical time to be traveling, except for that, you know, COVID thing. Oh. <laughs> I got I got goosebumps when you said that you did that like how cool to Im immerse yourself in your story like that it was so much fun and the, you know I talked to people and some of the um like gate c7 is where I was landing which is the where the first story takes place at gate c7 and um, you know, took a bunch of photos. I didn't have physical books. So I printed out the book covers on um, greeting cards at Walgreens. And then it was just, you know, taking weird pictures all over the airport in candy shops and everything. And people, I'm sure thought I was very strange, but whatever. <laughs> Who cares? It's all in the name of book promo. The exactly. things that we have to do sometimes. <laughs> Not the weirdest thing I have or will do in the name of book promo. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. I just love that. I think that's so cool. I cannot believe you wrote them that quickly. That is very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. It was, um, that, that one that I wrote while I was traveling was a lot of fun because I didn't have my day job. Um, but then my day job started up. I work at a university. And so the second one and the third one had to write like kind of while I was working full time, like not on vacation. And then the second one, I started the day that my novel came out because I had about three weeks to get it done and start it. Um, so that one happened fast, but it ended up actually being my favorite one. Wow. Okay. And amidst all of that, you are also a mom. <laughs> I am. I have a very uh, energetic, almost seven-year-old. Oh, yeah, that's right. Our kids are almost the same age because mine's yeah, eight. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Mine's 11. Um, yeah. <laughs> Courtney's got the tween. It like scares me a little bit sometimes. When yes, you're, like, these yes. are Tell us your wisdom. Up. <laughs> oh, I, I have none. 
<laughs> just flying by the seat of my pants. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a, a good parenting motto. Just yeah, that's, that's parenting. <laughs> Um, all right, so let's just talk like some of our tips and tricks for writing while parenting. I don't know if there are tips and tricks. I guess it's more of like your survival mode. Like, yeah. <laughs> how do you make it through? Um, well, I will say, uh, yeah, I have a very wonderful partner. And so we kind of just have it worked out. Like uh, Sundays are really my day. Like, Usually from about 1130 until about 330, I am locked in my office. The boys do their thing. Um, and that is like really dedicated writing time. And then when the kid goes to bed at night, he um, he can't tell time yet. So he goes to bed really early and it's inconsistently nice. early. Um, <laughs> so I know our days are numbered for that, but I'm like, oh, it's bedtime. Um, it's 730, it's eight. I don't know. But he goes to bed relatively early. And so then I, I still want to spend time with my husband. So I always tell him he can put on something I'll hate on the TV, like put on Star Wars, put on something weird on Netflix, um, put on some science fiction-y, and then we can still like be together, but I can focus on my writing. Uh, and then, yeah, my last trick is I use my lunch break pretty, um, pretty heavily. So I, I work full time, but um, instead of working at my desk, I go to across my office to this little table and I can... Um, you know, work on book promo or book writing during my lunch break, which is still like not 100% healthy because I'm definitely still working through lunch. But at least it's like kissing work and not work work. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Put on something I hate is genius. Yeah. I've never thought of doing that. That's really smart. Oh, yeah. It works really well. <laughs> You're not tempted. At least I'm not tempted by anything Star Wars. So um works well nice. okay Courtney how do you survive writing while parenting um, I'm still trying to figure it out um I mean she's older so I you know that's gotten easier as like she has more time with friends and um she's much more independent so um but I think I struggle really really badly with guilt you know Mm-hmm. atop the day job atop everything it's like I feel like I don't know I'm, I'm still working through that like I feel like I need to be there every second for everything like in all aspects of my life and it's hard because it's just not possible so I and it's very hard for me to compartmentalize um you know the different aspects of my life because they're all so big so I don't have an answer <laughs> <laughs> I think like just every day is a little different. Every week is a little different. I think having a calendar where I um, can write things out and like look at the lay of the week and be like, okay, well, I can fit writing in here and it's not going to take away from family time or, you know, we're doing a lot this week. So this Sunday or this Saturday, I can be like, hey, you got, like you said, go do something and I'll take this day dedicated to writing. Um, and it's different when I'm on deadline when I'm off it's a little bit looser um yeah but I like I crave a schedule but I don't really have one yeah it's always Mm. changing so maybe one day but (laughs) I love the idea of having dedicated Sundays or like a dedicated day you know, I have a writing group and that kind of helps with accountability. So I mean, I ditched them to come talk to you all right now because oh, it's Sunday while we're no. this, but that's okay. They're writing because I'm the time czar and I keep everybody. Okay. We've been <laughs> chatting for too long. It's time to get back to writing. Um, but that is kind of nice because it's, it's harder for me to compartmentalize that because I'm meeting other people and it's, it's my Zoom room. So <laughs> to show up. Um, but yeah, that guilt is real of... I even see it like, they're like, oh, come volunteer in the classroom. And I'm like, well, I commute for an hour, so that's not going to happen. Or, um, you know, those kinds of things. But then I I don't know. I also see like kids are like they're seeing their parent do something really cool. And like, that's true. You know, we'll tell people like my my mom writes books, like, you know, pointing them out in the bookstore and things like that. And also my kid gets McDonald's usually when I'm writing so (laughs) (laughs) that helps (laughs) oh man yeah I feel that the mom guilt and I have definitely 
had that breakdown more than once where I just am like crying to my husband like I'm failing at everything because Mm -hmm. I am giving everything like half my attention and I don't have the space to give anything my full attention and it just feels awful and terrible (laughs) and there's just like no I don't know I haven't figured out the way to like get around that I feel like you kind of just have to go through those moments and kind of just push through and the kids are fine you know like they're gonna be okay they're doing just fine and yeah it's like you said Denise like they have this parent who's doing something cool and you know my kid has come to like book signings and book releases before and you know it's awesome that he gets to see that oh yeah mine's really good at picking out my books at Barnes and Noble or like guilting the bookseller if they're not there. <laughs> oh, your biggest. Fan. I will say we went in. It actually, wasn't to look for my books. I was looking for. Um, we can talk about this later. But I teach a class on romance, and there was a specific book um, I wanted to get for the class, and so we went into our local um, Barnes and Noble because our indie store didn't have it, and um, I called somebody a jerk in the parking lot. <laughs> because they were parked at Kimbo and they were being a jerk. And so my son then got after me that like, mom, you shouldn't name call. And I was like, I know. So as we're walking through Barnes and Noble the whole time, he is pontificating on me calling this person a jerk in the parking lot loudly and then asking strangers what my punishment should be and saying like, this is my mom's book, but also she called somebody a jerk in the parking lot and you're not supposed to do that. So I think her punishment should be that I should get books and like this whole thing, like he's just <laughs> like That's marketing, awesome. but also berating me. And so I was like, I guess this is parenting as an author. Oh, funny. That's yeah. Amazing. In the end, the punishment was that I had to buy him two books and I got him a milkshake. And then he lectured me about the unhealthiness of my Diet Coke and we just left it there. (laughs) I love it. Um, Yeah, my kid came home the other day and was like, my teacher bought a copy of your book. And I was like, great. Can you ask her to not read it until the end of the year, please? (laughs) That's amazing. Um, I still have to see her. So if she could like just hold off on that till June, that would be fantastic. (laughs) You know, I don't, some of his preschool teachers did read it, but uh, I don't know if his current teacher knows. I don't know if I've mentioned it, but some of my colleagues have, and they're not the colleagues I would have anticipated, like (laughs) older mid 60s white men like who aren't typically my target demographic um are like i read the book let's talk about it and i was like oh are we okay and they like read it because like they had notes like they had gotten into it which was cool in the end but it was that moment of like oh goodness (laughs) i'm dying over here (laughs) you're my boss's boss okay let's do this here we go so that's cool Oh my god. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Okay, well, <clears throat> speaking of your job, um you teach this amazing romance course that every time you like tweet about it, I'm like, how do I sign up for this even though I am not a student at your university? <laughs> <laughs> so tell us all about it cuz it sounds amazing. Yeah, so my friend um Emily, who I've actually known since we were uh, like 19 years old. We used to work together in our um, university honors program when we were students. And now that's who we teach the class through like 25 years later. So um, we were joking because they have these one credit, really discussion-based seminars on all kinds of topics to engage students. And I was joking, I was like, yeah, we should do it on romance novels. And she said, you know, the proposal's due tomorrow. I was like, let's do this. So we put together this class on the fly. The title is probably the best thing about it, which is moving past bodice ripping towards shredding the patriarchy romance novels as tools for justice. Um, And so the class is really around romance novels as tools to examine kind of intersectional um, feminism and uh, different structures of patriarchy. And we talk a lot about representation as well as introducing them to um, the genre of romance. So we have about 17 students in the class each time, 16, 17. And this is our fourth or fifth I think our fourth time teaching it and it is so much fun. We get, um, we get money to teach it, uh, to go like travel or or professional development or whatever. 
but we agreed a long time ago that we take our um, funds that we get for that. And we weren't traveling anyway because of COVID. So now we just buy romance novels for the class. So we have this whole library of romance novels that are um, owned by our university honors program that we can lend out to the students. And uh, this year we just got to go buy them from our indie bookstore, but normally we have to have university purchasing, go buy these <laughs> romance novels. And we certainly don't like keep it sweet. Um, so that is, that's a lot of fun, but I love the class because so many of the students either love romance already and really don't know about the topics of patriarchy and and representation and justice and so or they're really well versed on that but they don't know romance or they just signed up because their friend told them to so either way we see like this amazing kind of learning curve and then this year we have four different author panels so they got to speak to um chloe Lise and taj mccoy and olivia dade was set to come but she was ill um, about body representation and um olivia Waite and meryl wilsner came to talk about um queer representation and um we have an agent and an editor and a book marketer from publishing houses coming in in a few weeks to kind of just talk about publishing as an industry um, I'm missing one of our panels. Oh, we had uh, Angelina M. Lopez, Regina Black, whose book is coming out in 2023, and um, J.C. Lee come and talk about uh, race and writing characters of color and being people of color in um, in the books. The students will pitch their own romance novels at the end. Uh, right after spring break, we do a whole lesson on romance novel covers and kind of rhetoric of covers and trends of covers. Um, so it's just so much fun to like be in that room and get their thoughts and you know, use this as kind of an angle to talk about all these important topics. I want to be in that class so badly. <laughs> <laughs> it is so much fun. The first year we actually taught it online um, because I mentioned it on Twitter and people were excited about it. And I was like, you know, we could just, we can copy our lectures online and we can host discussions. It'll probably be like 50 people will sign up. We had like 600 people sign up for that to participate. Um, so it's a great newsletter magnet, but it's also a lot of work. So that first uh, semester we actually did, we shared the lecture notes once a week. We hosted Twitter chats. Um, we shared like the book recommendations and the videos of our, our interviews with the guests and everything. And so that was like a lot of a fun way to like engage the community in, um, what was that spring 2020? Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. I haven't done that again. It was a lot of work, but, <laughs> but it was fun and it's super fun to get to teach it with, you know, one of my best friends. So, um, highly recommend. I love that. And you were saying, um, I think before we started recording that you could get students that are just like across all different majors and, you know, it's oh, not yeah, like a bunch of English are, majors. <laughs> most are not lit majors. Most are, um, engineers or they're in ag or they're in you know social sciences or econ or um all these different things and they just you know they have this shared interest in in love stories or injustice wow so cool i love it are you currently oh sorry it's fun go ahead <laughs> are you currently teaching the class right now yeah yeah we teach it every spring so um they're on spring break right now so we get a break this week but um, this is, yeah, I think this is our fourth time teaching it. Nice. So cool. <clears throat> um, if you ever do decide to bring that back to the public at large, please let us know because I'll hit you up. yes, yeah. I will, I will be signing up for that one. Um, I mean, I feel like people would pay for that if you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> You know, right? Let me diversify this finance stream. Um, like I said, the most fun thing is buying the new books. Um, so looking at what we have and like what representation we want to see. And like, we got a bunch of older books this time. Emily had a local woman whose mother had passed and had like thousands of old romance novels. And so I think Emily got a whole box of Lisa Claypas books that now we can get into rotation. And Wow. Yeah. And if you ever so need donations... Happy, happy to. Yeah. No, we'll make the university pay for them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, we got to make that money. Very good, very good. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love that so much. Okay, that is so cool. Um, all right. And then another thing, <laughs> I love that we're talking about this, um, that you said you could give a TED Talk on, which is one of the questions that we put on our um, author form when we're prepping for the show 
is Excel spreadsheets. I feel like a terrible millennial because I don't know how to use Excel at all. Um, and I don't even know how I would use it in my, in my life, but <laughs> Denise's face just was like, Oh, I could tell you. How to use I can tell you things. Um, yes, I, I love Microsoft Excel. It is. I, I recently discovered the corner of TikTok that's Excel talk. Oh gosh. And I, I learned things that I didn't know. And it, it was sort of a magical space to be in. I think I watched every video on that person's feed. Like thirst traps are fine, but this was like equals some thirst traps, which is an Excel joke <laughs> that probably landed for about 12 people. Um, <laughs> so in my job, I, I do assessment. I do a lot of research. I work with a lot of data. And so Excel is just a really useful tool. And if I don't know how to do something, I just kind of Google it until I figure out the right program to run. But I would say um, the two coolest things I ever built for Excel were outside of work. And one was uh, as a joke, cause I was writing something kind of steamy and I was like, oh gosh, like what am I gonna have them do? And you know, like those dice that you can roll that like one dice has body parts and another is actions. I created that in Excel. So you just hit the randomize button and you enter your character names and it comes up with so-and-so did this to so-and-so's whatever. Uh, and so like you could write. <laughs> oh my God. Brilliant. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, this could be the premise for a book. And then I wrote like this very, very smutty plotless little book and then went back to whatever I was supposed to be doing. Um, but yeah, so that was probably one of the coolest things I ever wrote. And that was easy to create. The other one was super complex and like a banana's waste of time, but it was wonderful. There was a game when I was a kid in like 1992 called Dream Phone. Dream Phone is essentially Clue, but make it for teenage girls and teach them how to be stalkers. Like it's real problematic <laughs> on a lot of levels. <laughs> But it came with this board and on the board were um, like 36 pictures of, of guys, like probably early 20s, teenagers, um, probably meant to be teenagers anyway. And they all had names and they were like at the mall or they were at the park or they were at the beach. And then you would, they had phone numbers on them and you would dial the phone number and it came with this giant pink phone, like think Zach Morris cell phone. And you dial the number and then in the phone, the guy would say, I know where he hangs out. And then it would whisper. So only you could hear it. He's not at the mall or he's not wearing yellow. And then you'd go on the board and you'd like cross out and like keep track of all your clues. Um, again, like I owned this when I was probably seven or eight years old, but I kept it. And then I just had it. And then as an adult, we discovered if you do this as a drinking game, it is so much fun. And so in my 20s, when I worked with a lot of other young people running a residence hall, we would play it sometimes um, while a little tipsy. And it was slightly creepy because the kids, the kids on the pictures had not aged, but we had, but it's fine. <laughs> so when I turned 30, I was like, you know, I want to have this party. It's going to be a, a girl's night. I want to play this game while we're drinking um, our signature dream phone cocktails. But apparently if you don't change the batteries from 1992 <laughs> through, um, you know, 20, whatever the year was, uh, they explode. And so the phone didn't work anymore. Oh. So I rebuilt the phone in Microsoft Excel. So instead of the call, you got a text message like on the screen and it gave you the clue so only you could see it. And then I input it all, put all their pictures and like I set it up so you could have randomized winners and then the clues would come through appropriately. Uh, so that was like super complex. And again, like a total waste of time for one night's uh, drinking game entertainment. But I'm still ridiculously proud of that. And it is so funny to look at those pictures too. Because most of the guys look like they're probably supposed to be about 16. This one guy looks like he's 35. <laughs> and this one guy looks like he's about 10. Um, and I'm like, whatever happened to these guys? I want to write a romance novel based on Dream Phone. Oh, my. Uh, that's a whole other thing. But I was very proud of my ability to, to recreate that. Okay. I mean, put on pause that that is like the most amazing thing ever. But what about like an anthology where all the stories were like Ooh. themed around like games from our childhood? 
I thought about that. It's kind of like Mia Heitzelman is doing like Monopoly and some of those. And so I was like, I don't want to take that idea, but Dream Phone is probably uncharted territory, maybe like Mall Madness. Yes. Yeah. Mall Madness. <laughs> um, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I still have the original board game. I, the phone just doesn't work anymore. I had to throw the phone away. But um, it was it was a wild wow. game. The nineties were a wild time. And I can't. Yeah, my mind is blown when you. I was like expecting you to be like, "Here's how you like keep track of your author expenses." <laughs> like, well, I do that too. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty easy. Let me send you a template. Okay. <laughs> no, but you're like. But I mean coding yeah ex- creating a game what oh my god you know what would be a good use that i haven't done but i should is i have a lot of i have a lot of books now and i've written a lot of like side stories and like character names oh, like yeah. having a cross reference that is actually my favorite part of the book writing process is when uh, um the copy editor for penguin random house sends you your copy edits they send you this little bible with it yeah. that's you know, one part, here's all the stuff you did wrong, and here's what you're supposed to know, like commas. But the rest of it is like, here's the timeline of your book, and here's all the characters and the descriptors of them. And I remember when I got the first one, I was like, I should put this into an Excel spreadsheet so I can keep track of it. And then I did it. And now seven books later, that feels a little like it's going to be a lot of work. But um, thinking about just character names and yeah, what did I say that person look like? Or I try yeah. to use the names Maisie and Josh in like every book for some reason as side characters. And I'm like, oh, I already have those. Genius. That, yeah, that actually is a good idea because I guess by the time you get to like book six or seven, you're like, what was that one random side character in the first book I wrote? Like, who knows? Yeah, yeah. Or I don't know. But like we use it for my book club. Sometimes we all put in books that we want to read and then we just do a randomization in Excel. So it picks our book for us, like reading your TBR. Genius. I didn't even know that Excel could be a generator like that. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the function of uh, random equals random or random okay. between. Okay. I should do that on my TBR because my TBR is a hot mess. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Then, then you won't have, to well, I have all these physical books, yeah. but I read ebooks like when I listen to audiobooks. So if it's a physical book, it just keeps stacking, but I keep buying them. Yeah. <laughs> as we all do. Yeah. I made it, I told myself, so we're, it's March 12th as we're recording this. And I was like, I am not going to buy any books mm-hmm. during the month of March because I was like out of control over the past couple of months. And so what I've been doing is I just like started a list in my phone of like all the books that I want to buy. And I'm like, this is not going to really help me because now I'm just going to like on April 1st go and just buy like 20 different books, which defeats the purpose. But I haven't bought any books yet in March. (laughs) Tried. And you know, part of being an author is you get advanced reader copies, you get ARCs. And so you have, you all do too, like, all the books you're reading like aren't out yet. So you want to talk about them and scream about them. But everybody's like, what, what are books I can go buy right now? And I'm like, um, yeah, I have no idea. This will be out in six months. <laughs> <laughs> that is always the hardest question. Um, okay. But speaking of new books, I, you are always working on a million things. So can you tell us like what's coming up from you next? Yeah. So in May, I am part of an anthology called Even If the Sky is Falling, um, and that'll be out May 31st. And that one they pitched uh, when they released it as um, Love Actually Meets Your Favorite 90s Disaster Movie, where they kiss at the end. So um, the whole premise is everybody thinks the world is ending, the sky is falling. Um, You learn in the very beginning that is not the case, but none of the characters know that. And so um, all of these, there's six of us who wrote stories, uh, wrote different people who were sheltering in place. And my two are former college rivals. um, And now they're both back for an alumni event and get stuck in their old biology building, which is based on my university's science Two. think like 1950s concrete walls, um, real, real, not an exciting place to be stuck for the end of the world. Uh, But these two competitive people 
uh, definitely find each other and they have a lot of sex in the 15,000 words of this short story. It actually opens in the middle of sex scene um, and uh, kind of relive what, what brought them together and, and how they've sort of driven each other through the years. So uh, that's my story. And then there's six others. So they're a lot of fun. That one will be out in May from uh, Canary Press, which is a subsidiary of Harlequin. And then in uh, now December, Technically Yours will be my fourth full-length novel. And if you've read The Fastest Way to Fall, it is Pearl and Cord's story, who were two of the side characters. It takes place in a tech nonprofit, kind of like um, Girls Who Code. And it's a second chance romance. So this one takes place kind of five years later. They've been apart and now they're back together. And there's tent sex, uh, which isn't really integral to the plot. I just really like the scene. Um, and so uh, really excited for that one to come out. It's very like family oriented. I think it feels a lot more like The Fastest Way to Fall than some of my other novels. Um, and so I'm really excited for people to read about Pearl and Cord. Okay, so did you know you were going to write their story or was this did this come about because everybody was like, I need you to write their story? <laughs> you know, I don't know when I wrote the book if I knew I was going to write their story, um, but I had an idea about it. And about halfway through, I actually started. I wrote about 60,000 words of this book. It was a completely different book. I just scrapped most of that. But that's why there's 10 sex, because I loved it so much when I wrote it three years ago that I had to. Get but I just, I, I write meet cutes in my head for, ev I write love stories for every side character in all of my books. Um, in my head, they all have kind of fully formed love stories. I mean, not fully plotted because that's not my jam. Uh, but so I kind of knew sort of how their story would go when I wrote the book. But I do that for all of my characters. Um, Claire, who's a side character in that book as well. I have a story for her in my head. Um, for all the friends, I have a funny one for, for her friend, Dell, um, who that started out as a joke and it's going to be called the farmer in the Dell. But yeah, like I just, that's kind of how my brain works as I'm writing is I, I think through like, who, what would their love story be? That's kind of how I get to know my side characters. I love that. I have a selfish that's question. <laughs> you are an extremely prolific writer. How do you do that? Like, and you also have this incredible joy about writing when you speak, like it's just abundant. Like, how do you, how do you do that? Like how, I guess, how do you, yeah. do you deal with writer's block and how do you work through that? And how do you, yeah, I'm sorry, I can't phrase the question very well, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, I complain a lot. I swear a lot. Um, my third novella was called Garbage Book to anybody who would listen to me complain about it while I was writing it. Um, so I'm, I'm very positive, but yeah, like I have those moments too. And um, you know, it's something I talk about. I, I lead a, a women's women and people empowerment program um, on my campus for the last five or six years. And something that I always talk about is this idea of the inner mentor and how we kind of come to listen to ourselves. And the, the example I always use is a writing one when I talk about that. And I say that if I'm really struggling, if I've hit the wall, if I am just berating my writing and the story and it's not working, that 99% of the time I'm just trying to write the wrong thing and I'm trying to make it, I'm trying to force it. And so I have like gotten better at trying to recognize that in myself that 99% of the time when I'm really blocked, when it's just not working, it's because I started the story in the wrong place or like I'm trying to make a, a plot point work that doesn't work. Like I'm writing the wrong thing, but I'm trying to force it. And so I have tried to like get better at listening to myself about that and just stepping away from it and kind of giving grace and giving space. Um, and then I go complain about it. Like it's not all Zen and like... <laughs> non-toxic like I just go complain like somewhere else not at my computer um and then you know kind of come back to it but um I have found that like with each book I've gotten a little bit better at at just listening to myself on that and not trying to force something that that just isn't working because I don't know about for you but that that's almost always when I give myself some distance I'm like oh yeah like I started the book in the wrong place or I started the scene in the wrong place or this doesn't need to be there or um, anything like that. But I think that that's real too. Like the world is on fire, sometimes literally, sometimes just figuratively, sometimes both. Um, we're parenting, like things are going on, like publishing is draining sometimes. So I, I think sometimes it's just recognizing that and like 
you know, giving yourself the space to acknowledge it. Like, even if you have to keep writing through it because you're on deadline, like acknowledging that you're writing while things are on fire. And whereas I have my, <laughs> I got the, this is a little thing of gin bean that I'm holding up, like that you all can see. Obviously you all are listeners are listening, but this is from my launch party. <laughs> When it was 2020, it was December, my friends threw me a book lunch party in a parking lot and um, everybody was in masks. We were all, you know, nine feet apart. We were outside in December in Iowa um, and it was a blast. And they gave out um, little gift bags to everybody that had little bottles of Jim Bean and chocolate in them so people could go make their own cocktails. And we would like throw them in the car as people drove by and they like throw their book out so I could sign it. And you know, like sometimes everything goes wrong, but it's still like, I don't know, like there's still these amazing moments. That was still definitely one of my favorite book launch parties to date. And so I keep this little bottle of Jim Bean on my desk um, for emergencies when I need to bust into it. Um, but I don't know that, I know that was kind of circular. I don't know if that made any sense, but the the listening to myself and like, just kind of trusting the the process, I think for me has been really helpful. Also like beyond deadline for three books where you, you can't back out of it helps to write a bunch of books because you, <laughs> you have to, you don't have a choice. No, that's amazing. Oh and I think sometimes when we're writing, we feel like I should only be feeling excitement or I should only be feeling this way, but it's never that way. Like life is never that way. So kind of just accepting it can be everything at once. And and I yeah, I had this like epiphany the other day and I, it's not really an epiphany. Like I'm sure it's something that other people just live with. But whenever I head into a new project, I always have this sense of fear. Like, what if I can't do it? What, like, I'm really excited about this, but what if I run into roadblocks and it's trash and I have to, get, okay, all these things, right? But I had this idea, like, of course you're going to run into roadblocks. But creativity is not like scarce, like you're going to run into the roadblock and then you're going to create your way out of it. Like, of course you are. That's just the creative process. I don't know. So we don't need to be like so afraid of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, in that same seminar, the other thing we talk about is the inner critic, which is that mm -hmm. and that idea of how you can manage the inner critic and Tara Moore has a really good book about it that we cite a lot, but that's my example there too. I'm like, I've written a bunch of books. Like they are published. People sometimes buy them. Um, like, you know, I, I've done this. I know how to do this. This is my job. But yeah, every new project, I'm like, I don't think I know how to plot a book. <laughs> Let me build a new Excel spreadsheet about plotting. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't know how to tell a good story. Like this is going to be, you know, like those same messages. And I think what also helps is, um, I don't read my reviews usually, but on some of the books that have been out for a while, um, I have friends who have curated some like five-star ones for me or Instagram's pretty safe. Like I'll just search the tag on Instagram, like with my name or whatever that is. And just get a reminder of like, oh yeah, like people like the stuff I do. Like nice. Yeah. And some don't, but whatever. The book's been out for a long time. It's not as fresh. I can handle it. <laughs> that just means that okay. it's widespread. <laughs> you yes. know? Yeah, like, you know, like readers. you can sort five stars. <laughs> um, if you ever come up with an Excel spreadsheet hack for how to plot a book, please uh, mm. send that my way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a hack, but I do have one. I didn't build it. I got it from someone, but it's... Um, basically breaks this one used save the cat but i merged it with save the cat and romancing the beat and then uh, uh character development and so then it breaks it down like if you're going to have an eighty thousand page book this is roughly like where this should be happening in the plotting sequence denise um, so I, I, didn't, I didn't build that i think i i adapted one from jamie gold but it is nice because it has like all the formulas off on the side those are my two um, favorite um craft books you have my email address <laughs> <laughs> i will go dig it out and make sure all of the the formulas are right because i've written over it so many times but um yeah it is kind of helpful because it's like well here's the 25 percent. so at roughly this many pages you should be switching yeah. over to here i'm a horrible plotter i like love all of the data of it and the look of it and the science of it. And then I plot for about 15 minutes and i'm like i'm bored i'm gonna start writing oh, it's and then it 
Oh, go ahead. Sorry. The book has, you know, 15% left to go. And I'm like, oh, shoot, I don't know what's supposed to happen. And I wrote 20,000 extra words. <laughs> it's like spending so much time making a to-do list. And then you're like, mm, okay, I'm not doing any of that now. <laughs> now I'm tired. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I feel that deep in my soul. All right. Yeah. Well, we don't want to cut into your dedicated writing time. I know that we're coming up on that. Um, so can you just let our listeners know where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, on uh, the internets. Uh, I'm active on Instagram and Twitter at Nick Will Writes, which is N-I-C-W-I-L-L Writes, and also on TikTok. And I spend way too much time on all of those platforms. I'm also on Facebook, and I don't spend near enough on there. Uh, but I'm at author Denise Williams, and I have my Juicy Readers group, which is a lot of fun, and we share a lot of book recs. Um, so that is a Facebook group as well. And then my website is uh, denisewilliamswrites.com. And sometimes I get around to updating it. So, you know, <laughs> check that out. Um, but that's where I kind of am online. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, this has been both educational and entertaining, which really, <laughs> what more can you ask for? <laughs> thank you so much again for having me. And I'm excited to read y'all's next books. Oh, thank you. You're the sweetest. All right. Thank you, Denise. And we will see all of you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at court underscore K, K-A-E, on all social media platforms. And you can find me, Fallon Ballard, at Fallon Ballard, everywhere you imbibe your social media. If you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode, you can find links in the show notes. And a special shout out to Zachary Kibbe and Matt Ballard for our amazing theme song. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hope to see you next time.